Hello, it's wonderful to be here as your host for today's Urban Exchange podcast. I'm Lauren Sorkin, and I'm the Executive Director of the Resilient Cities Network. And I'm absolutely delighted to have here with me today, Kathy Oldham, who's the Chief Resilience Officer of the Greater Manchester Combined Authority, and Will Cavendish, who is the Global Digital Services Leader at Arab. Today, we're going to be talking about digital cities for delivering urban resilience solutions. Our podcast conversation is going to focus on how digital systems can support cities to enhance their urban resilience. We're going to hear from two leading experts in the field about how cities can build digital resilience, and Kathy is going to share her own experiences with us from Greater Manchester. So to start us off, Resilient Cities and Arab have just published a report, Digital Cities, Resilient Cities. You talk about cities and regions globally, embedding digital solutions and introducing new digital services to serve government, businesses, and community users. Can we start off by explaining what does digital resilience actually mean and why should cities care about it? Thanks, Lauren. And uh, thanks so much for inviting me on this podcast today with Cathy. Yeah, so in this report, we're really asking cities to look at digital resilience through two lenses. The first is the ability for cities to improve their own resilience through digital solutions and digital services. But the second is ensuring the resilience of those very digital systems themselves. And why are we taking those those two perspectives or those two lenses? Well, the first reason is because, of course, cities increasingly need and depend on modern digital infrastructures to function and to work, whether that's businesses, governments, or public services like transport or energy. They very, very much rely on the telecom systems, the broadband systems, the Wi-Fi, the cloud, the data that comes from it, or indeed the digital control systems that really make a city live and breathe and function. And indeed, those digital systems can often support city resilience, whether it's through online services or through emergency systems, or indeed more broadly through things like tackling climate threats. So digital assets or digital infrastructure are an opportunity to promote city resilience. But of course, the second side of that is that those very digital systems themselves, of course, need to be resilient because they're subject to shocks, to attack, to breakdowns. And so the other important component of making sure that digital infrastructure itself is resilient and that's both the stuff, you know, the copper, the wires, the cables, the Wi-Fi, the, the infrastructure, but also the capability, having the skills, you know, in your workforce and in your city system in order to secure that digital resilience of those systems themselves. Thanks, Will. I think it's really important that we have those two perspectives inherent in how we approach this. Kathy, city operations in so many ways have always been complex. And the digital revolution brings in a whole new layer in this risk planning. How do you see this? What have been some of the threats that Manchester has faced down? And what was the response? Well, thank you very much. And it's a pleasure to be here today. In terms of the risks that um, we're starting to face, one of the challenges that we've got is that the digital world is pulling together different systems, networks, processes into a really complex system of systems. So that when you start to look at risk, it can be quite difficult to identify 
where failure or problems might occur and then the impacts that these might have because they can cascade across different infrastructures and different places in society. So just to give you a couple of examples, we had uh, Storm Eva in 2015 in Greater Manchester, and it caused really significant flooding in the city region. And one of the issues that was associated with that was some loss of power. So we lost some of our power to some areas. And we were trying to deal with the flooding. We, we'd got water everywhere. And then we got a call coming in from a local community saying, we've no water. And that was quite unexpected. And when we looked into it, it was because the loss of power had caused a loss of telemetry on an underground reservoir. And so suddenly they, they'd lost their water supply. So that was just one example of cascading problems. Sometimes I think shocks can bring um, just a direct failure. Obviously, there was a terrorist attack in Manchester in 2017, um, the Manchester Arena attack. And we started to get a lot of calls in, as you would expect, from people who were concerned about the whereabouts and safety of their loved ones. And our normal response is to set up um, what we would term the Casualty Bureau. It's a telephone service through which people can report missing people. And then we can try and reconcile records of those missing people with casualties and survivor records. And we asked for this system to be set up. It's a, a national telephony system. And it failed. And there were two separate faults on the system. And it meant that we couldn't mobilise other police forces around the country to help take the calls. So it meant we fell back on local systems. And we still feel today that there were calls we will have missed because of that. And obviously, the, the provider of that service has apologised unreservedly and is looking at fallback and disaster recovery processes. But that's sort of a, you know, a, a direct, problem in relation to a, a shock. The other thing to say conversely is that when we face risks, sometimes they bring opportunities. So um, probably all of us looking at COVID-19 will remember how we use data in new ways to understand the situation that we were facing and to guide our response. And in Greater Manchester, along with the rest of the world, we moved on to online platforms in lockdown, many services were able to continue because we'd upgraded our IT and we're using new solutions. And we continued to provide some form of education for people. People could stay in contact with family and friends. This has given us a legacy that's remained with us today and, and really shapes a lot of what we do. But to give you just one example of how we, we then deal with these risks, we look quite hard at how we build in resilience into our public sector services from a digital and technology perspective. So, for example, if I take our fire and rescue service, one of the most important things is that they can mobilise effectively. So the communication systems between calls coming in that their service is needed and then mobilising those communication systems must work. And so the approach is that we build in layers of resilience. 
And that's probably one of our key approaches to, to creating resilient digital systems is this layering approach. So we're not relying on just one system. Although our primary system is over our core networks, we have backups in place. We have multiple connections and routes in so that if one connection is lost, for example, say a contractor accidentally digs up one of our cables, other routes can be used to pass those messages from the fire um, control service out to the fire stations. So when we're looking at risks, we think it's really critical to understand those key public services, the high priority services where we need to ensure resilience and then design in that resilience through multiple layers in both in processes um, and connectivity. Thank you so much, Kathy. Those are already so many rich examples, which I think drive home that digital resilience is happening at many levels, that the communications is at the heart of what needs to function no matter what, and in particular in disaster situations. The examples you gave about layering and the need to create redundancy are really critical in, in maintaining digital resilience. And then the provision of services over and above that goes further into how we, through stress situations that may drive on longer, can provide citizens with better services. Now, Will, I want to, to come back to you. Does this change the way Arup and others are giving advice? And do you see other cities as examples trying to overcome and prepare for similar kinds of risks in their digital system? Is it happening in the same ways or are there big differences? I think we're seeing this, this issue or this set of issues are becoming you know, much more significant and being taken you know, quite seriously by, by city leaderships. The examples of the way in which digital systems enabled lots of different places to get through the pandemic in many, many different ways that Cathy described, have made this a much, much more important as the opportunity that or the needs that city leaders see in, in developing this. So I think this is becoming a much more important part of, of the way in which cities are thinking about the assets that they have, whether it's operational or otherwise. But I think there's another sort of driver there as well, which is the sort of challenge of climate resilience. So, for example, um, you know, around the world, cities and city mayors and city leaderships getting really concerned about urban heat, just as an, as an example, which has, you know, become so significant over the last two years. One of the reports that we in Arab recently released this, this summer was a report about how digital systems can be used to understand the huge impacts of excess heat or urban heat in specific places in specific cities and the things that cities can do about them, you know, whether it's using nature-based solutions or using what's called albedo or managing traffic better. So there are here and now aspects of resilience that I think the pandemic particularly brought to front and centre. But I think there are wider aspects of resilience, including climate resilience, where we're seeing more and more opportunity for using digital solutions and the insights from data often highly localised to help cities plan better and to you know, ensure a city environment that is more resilient and, and better for, for people who live in it. So I think all of those things are making resilience generally and digital resilience in particular a bigger issue for cities all the way around the world. Digital systems are expanding so quickly and there are so many players in this space. 
what can cities do to enable a really positive collaboration around digital resilience? And what do you see, Kathy, that really helps Greater Manchester to create collaboration and innovation in terms of digital systems? One of the things that we think about when we're thinking about digital resilience is that it's not just about technology, it is about people. And our partners in this space, one of the key partners is our communities. And so just to mention some of the work we're doing with communities for a moment, um, we are really clear that the digital technology is, is effectively and access to it is a basic human right. You know, digital should be seen as an essential service. And yet one of the stresses that we can see in cities is digital exclusion, is people not having access to the technology or able to use the technology in ways that enable them to access services and participate in everything that life has to offer as fully as they might be able to. So just to mention two things we've done in, in that area. We launched a digital exclusion risk index about two years ago which is a tool that helps councils to identify areas with high risk levels for digital exclusion. So that enables us to understand the scale of the, the challenge locally and where um, it might be helpful to put support services in place to give people better access to digital technology. And sort of accompanying that, I mean, just last week, we launched a new digital skills map. And that was aimed at helping to fix this digital divide by helping our residents to identify where they can get support in accessing digital devices, find the connectivity to go online and get digital skills training. And I think just to illustrate the scale of the problem, we know that over 800,000 of our residents face some form of digital exclusion. So 16% of households in Greater Manchester have someone who is not confident in using digital services online. So I think when we're talking about our partners, that just illustrates the importance of working with our communities. I think city governments can have a much greater role, obviously, as well um, in working with other partners in this space. So we would look at advocating for appropriate standards, regulation where appropriate, and access to the digital environment for all. And, and that's one thing we can do. We can advocate from, from the city level. But we also um, convene stakeholders. So we have a number of cross-sector governance mechanisms that pull together people from private, public, academic, voluntary sectors to look at digital technology in the city region. And if anybody would like any reading after this uh, podcast, um, online you'll find the Greater Manchester Digital Blueprint that covers up till 2026. And just to say that was co-designed and is co-owned by over 300 organisations. And so that illustrates the power that a city can have in starting to pull people together to look at where we might want to go in, in this space. 
And to conclude, I'd say that at the heart of that blueprint, to go back to where I started, it's all about empowering people and communities together with using data and digital systems to make Greater Manchester a greener, fairer and more prosperous city region. Well, in this rapidly evolving digital world, there's a lot of new opportunities, but there's also a lot of risk. What do you see as some further points for exploration and research and innovation? In the report, we suggest there are sort of seven principles which cities and city leaders can adopt to sort of build into their, their resilience approach. Those are, you know, flexibility of systems, building in redundancy, testing robustness, ensuring resourcefulness, reflectiveness, inclusion and integration as the seven principles. And, you know, Cathy's given some fantastic examples because not surprisingly, Manchester is an amazing city, Greater Manchester in this area, of you know how you do that in a really inclusive way. How do you tackle digital exclusion? How do you try and ensure that all citizens have access to the digital services that you need? And how you build sort of capacity and you use cities' convening power in order to develop those approaches. I would think I'd add a couple of things on, on top of that. You know, some of the city systems, particularly transport, energy and water, are really kind of vital to the functioning of a city. And I think there's a very significant role um, that, that city leadership can play to ensure that transport authorities, energy utilities, water systems are doing proper robustness checks, have decent approaches to digital resilience, but are also exploiting opportunities. We can get so much more predictive and we can so much better at planning and understanding when outages happen how systems sort of fail and cascade through them. So I think there's a very significant opportunity for cities to ensure that, you know, their infrastructure and the people who are running their infrastructure are helping making their their city work. And of course, then the other side of things is that there have been some real heart attack moments in the last three or four years. You know, the, the exfiltration of data from the Irish health system, for example, or the, you know, ransomware attacks that happen at Thessaloniki. And I think there's a role in, in sort of, you know, publicising and focusing people's energies on these real and present, these present challenges. This is, this is not some sort of fictional challenge. This is real and it's meaningful. And when it happens, it's deeply devastating. And so there's a very, very significant communications and engagement that city leaderships can do to put this and keep putting this right at the heart of people's plans and approaches. I want to actually circle back to something you said, Will, about the digital infrastructure and the people who run it. And I think one of the things that is exciting, but also a little bit dangerous when we talk about technology in cities and digital resilience, is that we tend to look at cities who have done it really well, and everyone wants to get there. But there needs to be quite a lot of capacity and strategic planning in terms of getting it right and putting those steps in the right order. And in that vein, the report, the Resilient Cities Delivering Urban Resilience Through Digital Solutions report, is something that, Kathy, you have really put together as Manchester plays a role as a hub, a resilience hub, in sharing good practice and examples. And I wonder if, if you could help listeners understand what kind of timelines and what kinds of capacity are necessary to really do this right? in order for cities really to take on the subject of digital resilience and to make their way through the kinds of recommendations that are in the report? What kind of time, what kind of capacity is necessary to do that? 
in terms of being a resilience hub, um, if I just explain that for people who might be listening or haven't come across the concept, we're part of both the Resilient Cities Network, but also the Making Cities Resilient initiative that UNDRR have pulled together. And I think it's really helpful to mention these city networks because they give cities access to peer support, to knowledge exchanges, to tools and techniques, and can really support cities, whether they're starting out in a journey, whether they're looking at implementation, whether they're reflecting on on progress to date. So we certainly find the city networks very helpful. I think in terms of digital technology, timelines is actually an incredibly difficult question to answer because the digital technology is evolving. So the opportunities are changing and so are the risks. And so I think this is a very dynamic agenda. And although it may have taken Greater Manchester a number of years to get to where we are now, taking our learning, other cities may be able to move faster and learn from other cities, not just ourselves across the world. And so the the timelines for cities, I think, will be different. One thing I'd emphasise is that anybody setting out on thinking about digital resilience, um, certainly the report we've been mentioning just shows the complexities of this area. So it's not about thinking just about one or two things. You know, we think quite hard about the digital infrastructure that we put in place in Greater Manchester. But we're thinking about our talent pipeline. You know, we're thinking about how we upskill residents in Greater Manchester so that they can participate in this industry and in all the opportunities that it brings. We see our digital companies, our creative economy as a real strategic strength, but that requires talented people. And so that plays into the, the skills development and education. As I've talked about, people need to be able to use all of this technology. So that's the digital inclusion agenda. So I think setting out on on thinking about digital resilience is multifaceted. And I think um, the report that we've put together really would help cities in understanding all the different themes that they might want to pick up on and think about as they go through this journey. As we come to the end of this podcast, in addition to those recommendations in the report, I wonder if each of you wanted to reflect on your hopes for what you'll see in this space of digital resilience in cities in the next coming years. When you publish the report, what were your hopes for it and how cities would use it? Will, maybe I'll come to you first. Thanks, Lauren. Well, I mean, obviously, part of publishing the report is just to have more cities aware and engaging with this. But I think more practically, I would hope that more cities start doing the kind of digital master planning exercises and um, addressing the challenges and opportunities of digital governance that Cathy was hinting at there. Because I think those are the places cities can start. They, They can start by understanding the range of things they need to grapple with the master planning sort of activities allow them to take stock and the governance sort of discussions are about 
how we ensure that the different stakeholders and parties can be joined up and aligned behind what we need to do. So my hope is that those things will will be got underway in a sort of practical and meaningful way in many more cities than the great examples we already have. I think from my perspective, I would hope that cities see digital resilience as being about people. So it's about where we want our cities to be and what we want them to look like in the future and digital technology being an enabler for doing that. So I would hope that cities can take the report and consider really the two aspects we've brought out in it. So how to support people in our increasingly digital world to take up the opportunities that it affords and to live the very best possible lives that they can in this this digital world but also that cities think through how to keep people safe. So keep an eye on those risks and understand that they might be complex and they might might cascade. So it's two sides of the coin, really, opportunities, but keeping an eye on the risks. Thank you so much, Kathy, and thank you, Will. This has been such a rewarding hosting experience for me. We've covered a broad range of topics in digital resilience, starting with how essential digital resilience is in providing disaster support to communities and how now day to day it's essential in terms of providing services for people. I think that you've both highlighted in particular, you, Kathy, that digital resilience and access to digital technologies is really a right of residents in cities and that we need to make sure that residents are enabled to live their best lives using digital technologies. I think the recommendations in the report give some really clear action areas for master planning in terms of digital resilience and also digital governance and the role that having the right capacity, the right talent and developing that talent in cities is gonna be essential for making digital resilience a reality in the future. This has been a a packed podcast full of advice and insights, but I think we at Resilient Cities Network are really keen to continue the conversation, to continue to provide peer support and learning. And I really, again, thank you, Kathy, and thank you, Will, for being part of that journey. And thank you again for your time today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Lauren. Every year, more than a million people read Smart Cities World and 40,000 members gain access to special reports and content. Members include officials from more than 2,000 cities, with new members signing up every single week. Our Urban Exchange podcast takes us around the world to meet people working on the front line. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a thing. We'll catch you next time.